be still and know. God's blessings to you and this fine church family, brother and sister Grant, and it's so good for me to be able to be in church with some of my family uh, today, Norman, Mike, Tommy, and I saw Melanie and some children here. Thank you for having an open door and an open arm to my uh, family in this area. That means very, very much to me. And uh, you don't know how important it is to have a house of God where you know that your family are cared for spiritually and good people. See, that's one of the main reasons I don't want to go to hell. The kind of folks you're going to have to hang out with. I don't like hanging out with them kind of folks. I want to hang out with good people during eternity for sure. Amen. And uh, I tip my hat to you this day, 2020. Who would have thought that we would still be here? I expected Jesus to return in 1967 when the Jews walked back into the old city of Jerusalem at the Six-Day War. Brother John Kershaw was preaching to Louisiana Senior Camp, and I thought, well, when they cut the wire and the Jews march in, Jesus is coming. But you know, he, he didn't pay any attention to my calendar, and uh, he still doesn't have much use for my calendar. A calendar and a clock, are things that he doesn't have much need of. But I tell you what, I want to be ready. Maybe this year, maybe not this year. You think about how many people have been saved since 1967 to this day. How many more folks there are to spend eternity with. Praise God. I want to be ready. I want to let, allow you to be seated while I read my text. I want to do like Brother M.J. Wolf said one time. I'd like to say something before I speak. So I'm going to turn to the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse... 28, I saw Brother Buddy Casto here earlier, but I don't see him now. He's a friend from the antediluvian age, and uh, his family were very much a part of our family when we were younger. Folks still say me and Buddy look alike. I don't know. I think he's... Much better looking than I am, but I'll take the compliment anyway. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. This verse of Scripture is very valuable to me. It was my father's favorite passage of Scripture. In fact, it is engraved on my dad's tombstone. It says, and we know... Now, there's a lot that we don't know, and I know a lot less than I did when I started pastoring at age 23. Now, when I started pastoring at age 23, I knew some trash. I'm telling you, I just, I knew some stuff I could, 
I could tell you all kinds of things that you didn't need to know. But the older I get, the dumber I get. And I find myself, my answer to most questions is, I don't know. But there are some things we know, Paul said. We know that all things, all things doesn't mean some things are all things on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. All things means all things without exception. Work together. It means your, your life is not a haphazard barrel of monkeys. There's order in your life. There's plans for your life. God's got a view to your life. All things work together for good. He didn't say that all things are good because they're not. But all things work together to bring about a good result. It's like making cornbread. Uh, you have a cup of cornmeal. Nobody wants to eat a cup of cornmeal. I've never gone into a restaurant and ordered a half a cup of flour and a large tablespoon of baking powder. Uh, but if you uh, put it all together and put a cup of buttermilk in it and break an egg in it, get you an iron skillet, burn a half a Stick of butter. I'm not talking about Jiffy Mix. That's not cornbread. If you eat Jiffy Mix, do better. Do better. Burn that skillet with that butter and cook it for about 15 or 20 minutes at, what, 400 degrees. Get a good crust on it. When you put it together... Behold, it are good. All things work together for good to them that love God. The Bible said, First Peter said, uh, if any man love God, he is known of him. It's important, important to love God. To them who are the called, that means they're specific people. You are not lost in a crowd. You will not drop through the cracks. God's got his finger right on your forehead this morning according to his purpose. That's the way he wound up, according to his purpose. Everything that I've said before that is according to his purpose. And my subject this morning is Jesus doesn't get nervous during the winter. Jesus doesn't get nervous during the winter. You didn't wake up this morning without God having an agenda for your day. Jesus doesn't take time off from working on you and your family. He doesn't take time off from being involved in your life. Jesus is never caught off guard. Nothing ever blindsides him. Nothing ever slips up on him. He's very cognizant. He's very aware the old song said, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Before you ever awakened this morning, Jesus was putting some things together for your life. Your sitting here is a consummation of his purpose. You're not just here to breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide. You're not just here to take up what, you know, architects that build churches a lot, 18 inches per person. 
we did a massive remodel a number of years ago in Moss Bluff, and uh, the man who was going to install the pews, when I asked him what the seating capacity would be, he said, well, we allot one person per 18 inches. I said, look at me. I got people in this church bigger than me. You don't you, you can't put Pentecostals on eighteen inches. We gotta have room to leak over and and uh have elbow room. But they you're not just here to take up a little space to breathe in air. You're not just here for that purpose. You are a part of God's purpose for Peace Tabernacle in Baytown, Texas. You are a part. The man and the woman that you looked at in the mirror this morning is a part of God's purpose for this community and the people that are here who need God and the community that needs an infusion of the touch of the Holy Ghost. It's very, very valuable that you understand that. There's other people that are not here this morning, but you're here and I'm here. There are people who will not hear what the Spirit says in this house today, but you're here. You can make yourself available to it. You can open your heart to it. You can let the Spirit of God move in you, flow through you. Let things be poured into your mind and into your spirit. A lot of people do not have that opportunity, but you do. If you ever heard Sister Nona Freeman preach at all, you probably heard her say, Christianity needs more participators and less spectators. You see, we're not just spectators to what God desires to accomplish in this house. It's according to His purpose. You're here according to His purpose. Jesus wanted you here today. He planned on you being here today. He was not surprised when you walked in the door was not shocked. We're all players and stagehands in this miraculous drama entitled The Purpose of God. Paul said it is according to his purpose. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 8 says, Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling and according, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. There was things working in your life before that you were ever born. Before you ever breathed your first breath, the purpose of God was actively working for you. The most important part of your life was not where would you get your education, what kind of job would you have, what community would you live in, what type of home would you live in? What type of vehicle would you drive? The most important thing about you from long before you were ever born was where can you fit in to the purpose of God? Where can you flow with what the Spirit of the living God wants to accomplish? And you have a role to fill. Oh, yes, you do. Would you say, oh, yes, I do? You have a role to fill that's very, very important. The circumstances of your life are not just a whim in 
God's afterthought or in the mind of Jesus. You're part of his purpose, according to his purpose. God's in control, even when things seem out of control. The purpose of God does not depend on whose name is on the mailbox at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. The purpose of God does not depend upon which uh, political party uh, controls the Senate or the House. The purpose of God is not centered around that. The purpose of God is centered around you, your life, your family, your desires, your purpose, your plan. You're making yourself available to the power of the Spirit to work in you. There's a song that I hear sung quite a bit as I travel around, and I don't remember the song. I just remember one line of it that says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Do you sing that song here? Even when I don't see it, you're working. There's things There's things I don't understand. There's a lot of things I don't understand. Uh, I don't understand how I can speak through this microphone that's not connected to any wires, and it amplifies my voice. I don't understand that. I don't understand how you can plug it into a box if it had a wire to it. This, this, this one's got a wire to it. And I, I don't know how that enhances the sound. I don't know how somebody can plug a vacuum into that socket over there and vacuum this carpet here. How that electricity, I don't understand electricity. I don't understand saran wrap. I can't, I can't operate saran wrap. It ends up as a little ball in my hand. If my wife says, would you cover that with saran wrap? I said, not in this lifetime. We'll use aluminum foil or we'll put it in a lid or we'll throw it away. I just can't get it. I can't get it out of there and work it. I don't understand stuff like that. There's a whole lot of things that I don't understand. But even when I can't see it, God's working. Even when I can't put it in paper, there's some things you can't put into a computer. How can I ex- logically explain why almost 50 years ago a mobile home fell on my father and took his life when 40 seconds before, how do you know that? Take my word for it. I've put it together. Forty seconds before that trailer fell on my father, I was laying in the exact spot where he was laying when the trailer fell. And that that is that was almost 50 years ago. How can I logically explain that? I cannot, not going to try. But the purpose of God was at work that Thursday afternoon. And uh, just suffice it to say, God is God, and he has the idea that he runs things. He can do things. He can accomplish things. And it is incumbent upon me and you to put ourselves in position for what God wants to do in this house today. I don't know you. I don't know your needs. I don't know what you brought into this place with you today. I'm preaching to people who no doubt have things to face tomorrow morning and you wish so much while you were sleeping tonight that the trump of God would sound and take you out of this world because you don't want to deal with it. You don't want to face it. I'm not saying that because I'm a prophet. I'm saying that just because I've lived for a while. and you're, You're... You've got stuff going on in your life. Everybody has stuff going on in their life. Everybody has things that we struggle with. 
Job 12 and 9 says, Who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this, in whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind, in whose hand is the soul of every living thing. You're not less important. Your needs are not shelved. I'm so glad I can go to Jesus and talk directly to him and I never have to dial one for more options. I've never never put on hold. I don't come, Norm and I don't come from a lavish family. There's no blue blood Mahoney's. If they are, they're black sheep of our family. I remember when our first family member got a brick house. Jess and Bertie Kinney built a brick house down on Uncle Ernest Parker's place at Kendrick's Ferry. and We'd drive by the road and Daddy would pause and we'd look at that brick house. We're kin to them people. They live in a brick house and we're kin to them. My daddy rented a house in Winsboro when I was in the second grade. Was it uh, 1008 6th, 1006 8th Street? Never forget that. And oh, I, I thought so, so highly of that house because it had a little brick ledge across the front of it. And I could tell folks, I live in a brick bat house. You, you probably don't even know what a brick bat house is. And uh, I, uh, we just had that. So we don't, we don't come from blue bloods. We're not waiting around for our rich uncle to die. We don't have a rich uncle. Never had a rich uncle. But I'll tell you what I did today before my feet ever touched the floor in that hotel. You know what I did? I talked to Jesus today. I talked to Jesus today. And I didn't have to press one for English. And if I had been speaking to him in Kiswahili or Sadamo or Spanish or Cuban or whatever, I would not have had to punch for English. I would not have. You know why? Because I'm a part of his purpose. I didn't say that. He said that. You are not here today accidentally. You didn't roll in here off of a watermelon wagon. You're here because God's purposed for you to be here today. Praise God. God hasn't drawn another line under your life yet. He's not through yet. God's not ashamed of your missteps. Your falterings do not embarrass him. When he saved you from the moment that he saved you, he expected you to make it. He expected you to have victory in your life. From the moment that he filled you with his spirit, he expected you to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, to know what it is like to live in the spirit and to walk in the spirit and to be empowered by the Spirit. And when you drop it and fall in it and step in it and mess up, he doesn't drop his head and shuffle his feet and say, I was afraid that was going to happen. He didn't expect that. He expects you to be saved. He cast his eye upon you. He loved you like you were. He loved me like I was. And it's going to be worthwhile. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 16 says, God was not ashamed to be called their God. And you read that 11th chapter of Hebrews. We call them heroes of faith, but some of them were a mess. Their life was full of falterings and failings and flaws. But he was not ashamed to be called their life. 
because their pur- his purpose was still active in them. That's right. Jesus had a harlot in his in his uh, lineage. Did you know that? That's right. He had he had the man that he called both in the Old and New Testament a man after God's own heart was a man of massive flaws and failures. You know why? Because once his purpose is established in you, it's there. It's there. Your life is not just about you anyway. When Jesus looks at you, he doesn't just see you. He sees his purpose at work. Ephesians 1, 4 to 9, and I won't take the time to read it, but it says, in him, before him, to him, his will, his glory, his grace, his blood, his pleasure. It's about him. Everything that happens is about him. And that is why Jesus doesn't get nervous during the winter. I noticed that uh, I, I didn't see any azaleas blooming on Garth Road on my way to church today. My favorite tree is those Bradford pears in the spring when those white blossoms come out. I think they're absolutely gorgeous, but the Bradford pears that I saw were just stark. There was no color to them. There was nothing appealing to them. There's not a lot of photographers take pictures of trees in the winter unless they're evergreen. Jesus is not nervous because his purpose is in that tree. Some of the best news that has ever broken over planet earth is in Job chapter 14 and verse 7 that says, For there is hope of a tree if it be cut down that it will sprout again and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth and the stock thereof die in the ground, Yet, through the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. Things just don't always look beautiful. Our life has seasons to it. Sometimes there's no roses blooming. Jesus said there's hope of a tree if it be cut down because through the scent of water, that means that tree is actively reaching its roots down and searching for nutrient and vitamins and minerals that can bring life back to it. Maybe you're in a wintertime season of your life. I don't mind saying publicly, I appreciate Facebook if it's used properly. Now, Facebook is like dumpster diving. You can find some good things, but you're going to wind up with some ketchup on your ear occasionally. That's just the way it is. But there are good things. You can be a blessing. Uh... There's a lot of folk, I have a lot of friends that I wish were not my friends. And I don't, I don't read what they have to say because it, it's not very impacting. But 
you can bless people and you can stay in touch. Our family has seen it work. Eight years ago, December the 14th, this past December the 14th, my oldest son quit breathing at St. Pat's Hospital. To be quite honest, his doctor almost killed him. If you're in the medical profession, I apologize for saying that, but it's just the truth. A lackadaisical move on his part. I left the hospital. I thought he was doing okay. His mother wanted to stay. I headed home. About halfway home, my youngest son, Justin, called me, said, Daddy, get back to the hospital quick. I got back there. My wife is sitting out in the uh, hallway. There's a Catholic chaplain there holding her hand, praying for her. They're inside intubating John, working on him. We're thrown into chaos. But I just did what I was taught to do. And that was, I made one Facebook post asking for help and people from all over the country started responding there was things working the night before Jesus knew we would need that do you think anything will come against you that will catch Jesus off guard do you think some trouble will slip up on you and he will say my, I didn't see that coming. Oh, he sees that coming because his purpose is there. And when the flowers are not blooming, Jeff and Sherry Easter sings a beautiful song that says, Roses will bloom again. Just wait and see. I don't know where you are. God knew you was going to be here today to hear that song and hear them say, regardless of my circumstance, I will bless you. Regardless of where I am, regardless of what's hanging overhead, it doesn't matter. Jesus is not nervous. When life deals you a difficult hand, Jesus does not sit on the side of the bed rock back and forth, bite his fingernails, and sweat bullets. Because today you've brought your struggles and your pressures and your fears and your pain. You brought it all in here. This is the best place to bring it. This is the best place to bring it. You're a vital ingredient to God's purpose for this church. I don't know if you're a guest, if you call this your church home, or if you're just visiting. You're a vital ingredient to this. You know, it's like when my wife loves to bake. And you can look at me and tell that I don't eat sweet. And uh, I wasn't supposed to be born because the doctors had told my mother she was unable to bear any more children, but she had had three daughters, and one of them had passed away at the age of two. And so I was born, wasn't supposed to be born, and I almost died of the rickets. My mama told me that for years, and it never even bothered me to ask what the rickets was. It sounds bad. Come to, come to find out it's malnutrition. Boy, God intervened there, didn't he? I won that battle. There was a purpose somewhere. 
God was paying attention. God's paying attention to you right now. He's very much aware of where you are. Very, very much aware. Something extraordinary could be happening in your family today. Something extraordinary could be taking place. His purpose is coursing through the 60,000 miles of arteries, veins, and capillaries that is in your body. Can you believe that? I, I couldn't believe it when I read it. And I went, I checked it all out. Everybody, everything says in this one body, there are 60,000 miles of arteries and veins and capillaries. I read it on Google so you know it's true cuz they can they they can't print it they can't put it on the internet if it's not true. That doesn't seem possible. The wonder David said you are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's not just blood that flows through those veins and capillaries. It's the purpose of God. Sister, would you come? There are 37 trillion cells in your body. 37 trillion cells. And the fingerprints of Jesus are on every one of them. If you aren't blooming brightly today, like one of those Bradford pears or an azalea bush or an Easter lily, it's okay. Jesus is not nervous. And if he's not nervous, it doesn't really make sense for me to be nervous because he knows everything about everybody's everything. He's counting on his purpose to always be productive in your life. Most of you have probably heard of King Tut. His tomb was uncovered in an Egyptian pyramid uh, several decades ago. And uh, the treasures of King Tut have traveled the world and I've never seen them, but I've seen photos of the, the lavish gold that was buried with those Egyptian kings. There was a bag of seed in there, a, a leather bag of seed. One of the archaeologists found it. It seemed hardly worth saving, but he decided that he would put it in his desk back at the college where he worked, and he had a metal desk, and he put that that bag of seed corn is what it was that had laid in that tomb for 3,000 years. And uh, 30 years passed. He was off the scene. Someone else had taken the office. And when they began to go through the desk, they found that little leather bag of seed corn. And from notes that he left, they realized it was out of King Tut's tomb. And on a hunch, he took some of it. And he planted it in a pot in his office. And that seed corn sprouted. And he had to move it to a bigger pot and finally outside. 3,000 years in the darkness of an Egyptian tomb. Nothing going on. But the purpose was still alive in that seed corn. 
and when the right circumstances were put together, there was life there. Am I preaching to somebody that has a wayward son or a wayward daughter or granddaughter or maybe I've preached to somebody today who is the only member of your family who lives for God. I don't know. But if God has you there, He's got an army there. If He has you there, He's got it covered. Shall we stand? Praise God. Praise God. Jesus is not nervous during the winter because His purpose lives in you. His purpose is working in you. There is hope of a tree if it be cut down. It will bud. It'll bear fruit through the scent of water. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for every man, every woman, every young person, every child in this house today. You know us so much better than we know ourselves. And we are about together to the altar for prayer. And we do so to acknowledge that we believe your purpose is working in us. That we are alive in you. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can't recognize it, you're moving. Even when you're silent... Your voice is speaking. I trust that today. In Jesus' name. As they sing, there may be somebody here that would like to move down toward the altar and say, Jesus, I needed to hear today that you're not nervous about my situation that I'm still alive in you. I still have a place in you. I still belong. I'm a part of your plan, Jesus. Yes, indeed. My need, my place, my petition are important to you. My time is valuable to you. I want to utilize every moment that I have for the Spirit to function in me. I want to utilize every opportunity. You may be standing by someone who could benefit from your hand on their shoulder. They might could benefit from your touch. You might could impart some faith to them. You might could impart some strength to them. If you're a guest here today, invited to be a part of this prayer time. We're all here for the same reason.